0: Good morning, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that as many pastors do, they always tell you there's not enough time for the message that comes from the text and um, Matt and I were talking this week that there's like seven messages, maybe 15 messages in this text and uh, that's no exaggeration. This is a text that is so full of theology, so full of truth of who God is that we cannot possibly cover it all this morning, unless everybody agrees to stay for an extra couple hours, not today. Um, I hope what we can do this morning is get into an extremely rich text that tells us all about who Christ is, in such a way that it whets our appetite to keep studying, to keep looking at God's word. This next week for some of you you already have been in this passage and so hopefully this morning We're gonna bring together some ideas Maybe i'm gonna say the exact same thing that you thought of this week and hey guess what god's spirit was working in both of us the same way And that's cool. Um and if you've never looked at this text before, then I hope God has something for you this morning in this text. We are going to be in Colossians 1:15 to 23. But before we get there, I want to tell you something. Uh, my children are back here, and so they're going to hear me talk about them. Um, I didn't expect them because they're a five- and six-year-old. They were going to be in the back. But I'm going to tell you that in our house, we always have a fight about who's going to be first. You guys can relate. Uh, first to sit next to mom or first to sit next to dad or first to choose a show or first to whatever, fill in the blank. It's always a desire to be first, right? Um, And and in reality, um, us as adults aren't a whole lot different. It might look a little different. You and I might not go race to get the first munchkin from the cafe after the service is over, uh, but we probably really do ascribe priority to things that are first in our life, even as adults. We just calculate it differently. It may be a race. You might be a a runner or a cyclist or a NASCAR driver or something, and you might race. But you also might be racing for first. You might be ascribing the priority of something to first in your life by the number of likes you get, the number of times you're retweeted, uh, the number of connections you have on whichever platform is most important to you, It might just be because you get that job that's making you first, or because you beat out that competitor that's first. First place is something that we all place priority on. It's not just my adorable five- and six-year-old that wants to be first. Um, It's all of us. And so I'm going to present to you, before we dive into the text this morning, with something that I think is just a fact. It's a fact of life, that someone or something is going to be first priority in your life and in my life something has to take priority something holds this place that everything else comes behind it something is first and the question that i'm going to hopefully help us to look at god's word to find an answer to is who or what is first place in your life today in the interest of time i'm not going to try to convince you that that argument is true I don't think it would be hard for us to look at culture, to look at our own lives, to look at my time, your time, our budgets, the ways that we prioritize our life and say, yeah, something is first. Might be that you are first in your life. Might be your children, might be your spouse, could be wealth or possessions, could be a title or a job that that dominates everything about your life. It could be Finding love. It could be any number of things that we put highest priority in our lives. Today, we're going to look at that question who or what is first in your life and who or what deserves to be first in your life. And we're going to get to this in just a couple minutes. But before we get to the text, I want to remind you of some context. If you haven't been with us, we're in the book of Colossians, and we have been for a few weeks now. And we're going to continue to remind you that there's context within this book that's important. And Paul is writing to a church that, as Matt has talked about, he never actually met most of these people. He knows of them. He's heard of them. He's been encouraged by these stories. In the last couple of weeks have been texts. Uh, we've been talking about these things that he's praying for them because of this faithfulness and this love that he knows of them. But Paul has also heard about things going on either in the church or around the church that are affecting their view of who Christ is. And really affecting their view of what is first priority in their lives. And uh, we can gather clues both within the text, although it doesn't specifically say, you believe this, he alludes to some things that they believed, but we can also look at the historical record, and we can know things that were going on in culture based on history to know what they were probably being faced with, just like somebody 100 years or 1,000 years or 2,000 years if Jesus hasn't returned, they can look back and look at 2019 and say, well, we know what was going on in 2019, so probably that's why David or Matt or Adam preached that message, because That's what the church needed to hear. Well, we can do the same thing with this letter. We can look and see that there were things going on where people in their culture believed that all matter was evil. Therefore, God could not possibly have become man because God and evil, if they believed that God wasn't evil, then then God couldn't have become created matter because this just throws all of their theology off. And so if you believe that, even though it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we know that Christ said that about himself, we see that in the book of John, we're denying this humanity of Jesus, but at the same time, some were denying that he, Jesus was God um, because some might have said this firstborn of creation, um, he was actually created by God. He wasn't actually God, and so then we have this confusion of, well, Jesus isn't humanity. Some people are saying over here because matter is evil. Some people are saying Jesus isn't deity, and that leaves us in the middle here where if Jesus isn't man and Jesus isn't God, I don't know what Jesus was. But we're not going to get into that right now, because that would be a rabbit trail, to try to understand what all of this was leading to, but it was leading to confusion. It was leading to all sorts of things. There was also people around the Colossians that led, it wasn't yet called this, but if you've heard of Gnosticism, it's this belief of this supernatural knowledge that got attached to spirituality and to, and to Jesus. Um, that was developing in this time period, and, and we see in the historical record that that came out. So the Colossians were being bombarded with all these ideas that were changing who Jesus is, And changing what scripture was. And changing God's identity. And changing their place. And it was causing confusion. And it was probably going to creep into the church if they weren't careful. So Paul writes this letter as we've talked about these last couple weeks. And we're going to keep reminding you to help them remember who Christ is. And to help keep Christ first. It's interesting because I think this letter, while written 2,000 years ago, has so much relevance to us today. And it really could have been written by pastor john on the west coast to this church on the east coast and said hey don't forget these things that you know to be true and it would have been they wouldn't even have to change the words they wouldn't even have to do anything it's 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 exactly true which is why god's word is sufficient for us today just as it was 2,000 years ago because there's things in this word that are truth that we need to hear today today the gospel is being changed to fit our cultural mold and we're not going to go down the rabbit trail of all the different ways that that's happening but we could maybe you will in your life groups, to talk about the challenges to the truth of the gospel, what we're adding to it. Today, God's word is not sufficient in and of itself. We look to science to help us explain things that God's word and his created order explain. And we could go down that rabbit trail as well. His created order is no longer truth. The way God intended the world to exist, hey, well, maybe this or maybe that, and there's all sorts of ways we could go that way, but quite, quite, fr- quite frankly, we have replaced the worship of God alone as creator with... Other things. And with the rest of our time, I want to look at this passage, Colossians 1, 15-23. I want us to find in it things that were relevant to those people in their day, but also are relevant to us today. This little section of scripture is an incredibly rich passage that tells us a lot of truth about who Jesus is. And, And it's actually thought that perhaps this was a commonly understood hymn or a poem, or something that maybe Paul was bringing into this letter to remind them, hey, you know these things, we've heard these things, we're all sharing this. Maybe this is a song that was being sung by the believers and they had passed around this truth. Whatever it was, Paul is referring them back to who Jesus is in this passage. And so this morning, I hope that this passage becomes something that we can hold on to. I hope it's not just for this morning. I hope this passage becomes for you what it's been for me for years as a place that I go back to to ground myself when I'm doubting or when I'm struggling or when I find myself uh, distant from God in some way, this is one of those things that comes back and reminds me, who is Jesus and why does this matter? Oh, that's right. I, I actually volunteered for this passage, which a couple of people laughed at me this morning already, that I volunteered for a passage where there's no way I could possibly speak to all the things in there, which that's the beauty of we're going to just let God do what he wants to this morning. But I loved this passage, and I, I, wrote a, I wrote a paper back a long time ago on it, and I realized that nothing in my paper was helpful today because it was on, like, the really intricacies of why this Greek word was used over that one and all that. And it's really helpful, and um, we can talk about that later, but it's not helpful for us here. And so what God wants for us today, I believe, is to sit in these verses, to consider these words of Paul and to allow them to change our minds and hearts and to focus us on who is first. So I'm going to start with Colossians 1, 15-23. I want you to read with me. It will be on the screen. I'm going to read this out of the ESV. If you have your own copy of God's word, if you've got your scripture journal, pull it out. And let's just digest this amazing passage of who Jesus is. And then we're going to follow up with some thoughts and continue in worship. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, we, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, I had us read three chapters because I think God's word is far more beneficial to us than my own words um, but I do have some things I want to bring us to and then we're going to reread it again at the end hopefully giving us some framework if you were in this chapter this week if you're in these verses I hope something that we just reread jump back out to you that God spoke to you this week and if you weren't in this passage this week I'd encourage you to take these verses this week sit in them reread them memorize them let these words speak to your identity and speak to you this week god's word is powerful and active and will change our hearts and our minds and there is no better way for us today as we prepare to to go into a time of communion than to remember who jesus is and so that's what we're going to do right now i want us to walk back through really quickly through this text I'm not going to put these on the screen. I want you to look at your copy of scripture. If you have a pen, grab it. If you have your scripture journal, that's especially good because that's intended to be written on. I want you to notice 15 different things about who Jesus is. And I am not going to walk through each of these, I promise. Um, this I have labeled in my mind as Jesus' resume. This is the LinkedIn profile for Jesus today. This passage is going to walk us through all sorts of things that we aren't going to get into, but I'm going to summarize them with three statements at the end that I hope will be something we can hang on to. But I want us to walk through and notice 15 different things about Jesus, as we've encouraged you to do when you come into the text in this season of going through Colossians. First, we want to say, what does this text say about who God is? we got to start this. It does not matter what it says about us if we don't know first who is God. And this passage is full of who God is. So let's look at this real quick. In verse 15, we see that he is the image of the invisible God. This is powerful. We're going to get to this in a second. I wish we could spend all our time on who else was created as the image of God. We were created in God's image, but it's marred by, by sin. And so Christ is the perfect image. So much there. Verse 15, he is the firstborn over all creation. This doesn't mean that he was born of God because we know Christ was with God in the beginning, what the firstborn means, it was said of David in the Old Testament that David was firstborn. No, he was actually the lastborn in his family. Firstborn means they are the highest. They are to be esteemed. They are to hold a place above all else. In verse uh, 16, we see that by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Paul talks about rulers and authorities later in this message. So it's important for the Colossi church to hear these words because he's going to draw them back to, hey, you think those authorities matter. But remember, Christ is over all those things. Verse 16, all things were created through him. All things were created for him. Verse 17, he is before all things. In him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn. In Him, everything is preeminent or everything is first. That's why I started this talking about what is first in your life. Preeminence is the idea this comes before everything. This is the very first thing. In Him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In Him, everything is reconciled, whether on heaven or earth. In Him, Every th- he makes peace by the blood of the cross, and lastly, he has reconciled us to himself. Each of those 15 things could be a sermon in and of themselves, but each of those 15 things reminds us of who Christ is, and at the very end, we come back to who we are. And so, there's so much there, I encourage you to spend time in it this week, but I want to draw a couple things together for us. We see Paul is connecting different ideas, and as we study Colossians, it's all going to come into view. You might have noticed even similarities in where we were the last few weeks and the reason why he's gone here, but you're also going to hear it in a couple weeks when we hear him talk about these angels and they believed in these angels. And they ascribed too much privilege to them, so this is all connected. That's why we want you to be reading this whole book every single week, so that you can understand the fullness of what God's trying to say to us. But today, I want us to focus in on that fact that I presented, that someone or something is first. Priority in your life. And the question is, who or what is first priority in your life today? And, and, and I think the answer, you're going to guess, um, as, as uh, my, my lovely daughter Zoe likes to say when we sit at dinner, um, and I ask a question, whether it's spiritual or not, if she doesn't know the answer to it, without fail, the answer is always, Jesus! It's a good answer. She does grow up in the home of the pastor, so I guess that's why she thinks that, but she also is sensitive to the things of God and is actually truly thinking I was looking for the answer to Jesus. But today, Zoe is 100% right, because the answer to that question I propose cannot be anything but Jesus, though I would confess, and I think if you were honest with me, Christ may not actually be in that place in our lives today. On any given day, he's not preeminent. He's not first in my life because I've ascribed other things to that place. Or I've added something else on to who Christ is and said, Christ plus this has gotten priority in my life. So this morning's text helps refocus us and bring us back to Christ alone as first priority. In looking at this whole section of scripture, I believe we can land on three things that are true about Jesus. And if you want to write these down, go for it. Just three simple things that are going to take us into this next part of our service. The first truth is that Jesus is creator. Some of us need to be reminded that Jesus is creator today because this helps give us purpose. It helps focus our minds around things where our culture wants to challenge that that's not true. We just read a list of details about what Christ being the creator means. That he's not just the creator of some things. He's the creator of all things. And all things weren't just created by him, but he gave them their purpose. And if you take that and start thinking through what that looks like, that has huge ramifications in our life. Has huge ramifications in our life, especially when things don't seem to fit the way we think they should be going. But if Christ created all things for him, then it helps us to understand that those things playing out the way that they're playing out have a reason in his economy, in his perspective, in his world. We just don't see it yet. But if Christ is creator, then we can trust him that he has a purpose behind why he created things. He says a little bit later in Colossians 2.8, and we're going to get to this in a couple weeks or maybe even next week, but be careful not to allow anyone to captivate you through an empty, deceitful philosophy that is according to human traditions and the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. We have to be reminded that Christ as creator means we, ha- we can be anchored into that when other ideas or philosophies that sound good try to take captive our thoughts or our th- approach or how we look at things that the world might say, hey, this is also good. This is how things could look. We need to be reminded that Christ is over all things. All rulers, all authorities, all dominions. It can be discouraging when hostility comes our way. It can be discouraging when it seems that the world could be stacked against God's people, against God's truth, against God's design, against God's creation. But if we hold on to this, that God is the creator of all things, that he had intent in all things, and that all things will ultimately bring him glory, then we can rest And we can take a step back and remember that God is God and we are not. The second thing that we need to remember is that in Christ, all things are held together. I've phrased this, that Christ is sustainer. First, Christ is creator. But he's not just the creator who spun the universe into existence and set go. And then just is watching it fall apart. Christ is the sustainer. He's the sustainer of all of life. And he's the sustainer of my life. If the God of the universe created us, and if the God of the universe is over us, then it comforts me in a way where I, I need comfort. I'm going to let you in on, on a, a personal struggle. Um, I have realized um, over the last six months, as I've read back over scripture that I have been reading and, and sitting in, and I've been um, journaling through God's word specifically the past six months, following kind of a flow of making sure that I'm coming to God and saying, here's where I am, and then following up and saying, okay, here's the truth in God's word, and then how does that play out? And I read back over it recently, and I realized I would never have called myself an anxious person. But nearly every day, there was something in my journal where I couldn't write and say, I'm worried about this, I'm fearful of this, or I'm anxious about this. And there was a lot of areas where I was trying to control circumstances. I was trying to control the outcome of this. And I was trying to control why this was happening. And I realized in that moment, my fear, my anxiousness, my worry, that was me taking God off the throne, putting my own perspective, my own wisdom, my own skill, my own knowledge in front of who Christ is. And if I recognize that the creator of the universe is also the sustainer of the universe and sustainer of my life, all of a sudden, that worry, that fear, that anxiousness, it subsides for me. I point myself back to truth in those passages, in those, in those sections in my journal, and I've realized the benefit of journaling through God's word, as we're encouraging you to do in the book of Colossians, has brought me back to be able to see here's where I'm putting myself first, but here's where God needs to be. And it's been incredible to be able to see that journey, to see the way God's growing me today. I don't have it all together. Next year I'm going to tell you something different that God's teaching me, but hopefully it's not that I'm still anxious. Hopefully that, man, I, I've got control over that. I don't have control over that. God's given me victory over that because He's reminded me of truth of who I am. So, Jesus is creator. Jesus is sustainer. And lastly, I believe we need to be reminded, and we see this in the text, that Jesus is the redeemer. Not just the redeemer, Jesus is our redeemer. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Colossians 1.15 says that uh, we were alienated, we were hostile, regardless of how you look at scripture, where you see it in different places of, of Paul and of Jesus. We talk about this separation between man and God. But God made it possible for us to be back in relationship with him as he originally intended it. As we see in Genesis 127 where man and woman were created in the image of God, that's why he talks about Jesus being created in the image of God here in this, that God is that Jesus is the image of the created God because our being in the image of God was marred by sin, if we look ahead in Genesis 3. And Christ takes that marred image and makes it perfect. He redeems us. He brings us back to himself. Paul writes these things so that we might remain in the faith, established and firm without shifting from the hope of the gospel. It's so easy for us to try to redeem ourselves. It's so easy for us to try to add to the work that is already finished on the cross. Christ is the firstborn of the dead. That means he has victory over death. And that right there is a truth that we have to hold on to and not try to add. I love this passage and i would love to go deeper into some of these things but this morning i want us to settle there and to land on just this thought of something or someone is preeminent in our lives something is highest priority something is first place in your life who or what is it if you're a follower of christ i hope this is a reminder call to get back to Christ being first. To get back to Christ plus nothing. Being first in your life. Because Jesus can't be an add-on to our busy lives. He can't be an add-on to our career aspirations. He can't be an add-on to life just to say, well yeah someday I'm going to get to heaven, but for right now I'm living for myself. No, no, no. no, no. That's not how it works. Christ alone is preeminent. He is first. So if you're a Jesus follower, it's okay that you'd say, man that's not true of me today. That's right. I admit it. It's not always true of me either. today we can recenter ourselves around that there is forgiveness and we are gonna have a time where we can come before God we can confess we're gonna partake in the in communion It's gonna be a time for us to gather as a church body around Christ's life death and resurrection and if you're here and you realize I don't know this creator this sustainer this redeemer in this way in fact I've only ever heard this but I've never really put my trust in Christ alone then what's stopping you if you're here today And those things sink in and and God's word is speaking to you and his spirit is moving in you and you're realizing, I don't know that. I've never held on to that truth. Then let today be the day. There's nothing stopping you from calling out to Christ as it says in God's word that Christ died for us while we are still sinners. Again, nothing you can do. That if we confess with our mouths that he is Christ the Lord, he has saved us. He didn't die for the perfect. He didn't die for us because we've done enough. He died for us because he wanted to redeem us, because Christ is redeemer. We're going to head into a time of communion now, and um, we don't want this to just be something we do because it's the religious thing to do. We don't want it just to be something we do because it's tradition. We want this to be a significant time for us as a church body to commune with God, to spend time with God. And so I want to remind you that, Jesus instituted this when he sat with his disciples in the very last days. Right around the time of the the Passover, Jesus washed his disciples' feet, and he rocked their worlds with that act. And he said, hey, when you do this in the future, when you break that bread, you're breaking my body, you're remembering my sacrifice. And when you drink that wine or that juice, you are remembering my blood, which was shed for you. Communion is intended for all those who know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And if you are a follower of Christ, you have trusted in him alone, then we invite you to participate with us this morning. And if you don't know Christ, we'd ask you to just stay in your seat, consider these things, take a look at God's word, grab your neighbor's Bible if you don't have one, read through these things and just ponder, who is this Christ and what is he in my life? There's no shame in that. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11 instructing the church that when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, this is the n- new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself and eat the bread, drink the cup. We're not going to rush through this. We've allowed time in our service today for you to do just that, for each of us to do that, for each of us to sit, to examine ourselves. To consider who's first. Is Christ preeminent? Is the creator, the sustainer, and the redeemer first in our life, or is something else taking his place? Confess it. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to somebody else. If you have a a wrong against someone in this room, go to them. Go make it right right now. This would be no better time than to do that right now. But we're going to spend some time. You're going to have just some quiet music playing, and you're going to be able to just spend time with God, reflect on these things. And after some time has passed, some men and women from our leadership team are going to be at each of these six tables. Um, and we don't need to form lines around them. We're actually going to serve communion in small groups. So we want you to just come up, three, four, five of you at a time, and uh, a, a couple people or one person at each table is going to serve you the elements and pray with you and share a couple thoughts with you. won't take long, but just to remind you of why we participate in this together as the body of Christ. So we're going to head into this time, and you're going to just have time to reflect. There is no rush. We're going to allow plenty of time for this to happen, and then we're going to continue in worship responding to the God of the universe who created us for a purpose. I think it's only fitting for us, though, to lead into this time to reread these words. And uh, sometimes, as you might like to, I like to, read God's word in different translations. Um, just because um, different people have cho- chosen different words to reflect on the the, the ideas that are presented. And uh, sometimes I like reading the message because it feels like Eugene Peterson was the man who wrote it but it feels like sometimes it's as though somebody was writing this letter personally to us today. So they might have chosen a little bit more modern language. And again, it's not to say that that is necessarily all the right way. There's some ideas in here that are conveyed a little bit differently. But I hope by hearing God's words in a little bit different way, by hearing Paul's words to the church at Colossae, it will help us to reflect and to enter this time thinking about God's word, thinking about who is first and how we have placed Christ on the throne or something else on the throne of our lives. And so I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to step away. Some quiet music is going to be playing, and you're going to have time just to confess, to reflect, and then to join us at the table as we participate in communion together. Let's read from God's word. I encourage you just to close your eyes or just sit there and let these words uh, come to you. Um, This is Colossians 1 15 through 23 in the message. We look at this sun and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and we see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels and everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence. And he holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning. And leading the resurrection parade, he will be supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there. Towering far above everything, everyone So spacious is he, so roomy, so much that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things and animals and atoms, all get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmony because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. You yourselves are a case study of what he does. At one time, you had your back turned to God. Thinking rebellious thoughts of him and giving him trouble every chance you get. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side. He put your lives together whole and holy in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Father, we thank you for this message. Thank you for this message of Jesus as creator, sustainer, redeemer. We thank you for the ways that has implications in our everyday life. Thank you for the ways that heals us, gives us confidence when we worry, gives us focus and strength and hope. Father, when we're destroyed by earthly challenges that you give us something to look forward to because all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God, we thank you that you are faithful, that you are with us, that you are here in this place with us this morning. We pray as we now sit, reflect, come to you individually, that you would hear our prayers, that you would meet us, and as we celebrate and take communion together as a church, that we would remember your life your death, your resurrection, and the ways each of us are changed personally, the ways we are changed as a body by you. Thank you for who you are. We love you.